Hey guys, it's Ethan from Love Extremist Radio. We're living in a crazy time in history as this global pandemic spreads. Some of us have seen a massive increase in work responsibilities and life challenges. Others have seen a quieting down. If you're like me, you're looking to connect with community and find creative inspiration. With that vision in mind, I'll be publishing some of my favorite creators' work through Love Extremist Radio as bonus episodes. I hope you enjoy this additional programming from the Love Extremist community, and please share if you do. I'm Phil America, artist and activist, and this is Conversations with Creativity. We're going to be spending about an hour talking to a different creative every episode. It's meant to be casual, almost as if you're sitting in the living room listening to us converse. My first guest is one of my favorite photographers. M.K. Sadler is a photographer based in L.A. who uses her background in design and studio art to influence her photography. Her work ranges from fashion to commercial to self-portraiture. Getting her start in photography by photographing weddings, she grew into that field, landing on the Harper's Bazaar list of best wedding photographers in the world. She's had images in Harper's, Vogue, Condé Nast, Domino, and a myriad of other publications, and has an upcoming book with Artisan Publishing, which we crack into in our conversation. And now, our interview. I'm excited to have this conversation because we have never talked about your path, your career path. So I want to just go chronologically. So starting from the beginning, what was, what was really the beginning for you when it comes to realizing your creative potential and realizing that you wanted to dedicate your life to being creative? Um, I grew up like drawing and painting always. Um, so yeah, even when I was a little kid, I was always kind of in a corner somewhere drawing or painting. Um, and my mom actually used to joke that I like never talked and I was just always off making something or doing something. And she had so many little projects saved that I had made her throughout the years. Um, there's one particular that she loves and she loves a story is I made these random uh, glasses for her and I put eyelashes on the glasses. Um, and she, yeah, I always had some type of project, um, that I was doing or making. Um, and I kind of kept that up through school, even though I kind of studied a bunch of different things. And then it was always in a small town where there just wasn't a really big art scene or program. And I'm shocked. There's no big art scene in Groves, Texas. <laughs> there is not. No. Uh, yeah. And it was actually... Even that, it was like the couple friends that I had, we were all in the art classes together and we would take the same classes with the same three people. Um, and yeah, they didn't have, they had an art three, four class because they, they couldn't split them up because there's only three of us. Um, and yeah, and I think actually it was one of my volleyball coaches whenever I was about to graduate from high school, they were kind of asking me what everybody was going to do. Um, and we grew up really poor and I really wanted to be a painter and I really wanted to just do kind of art stuff, but I was, even at that age was like, mm, I'm tired of being poor. <laughs> so my, one of my volleyball coaches suggested, uh, design. She had studied graphic design. Uh, and so I kind of started to look into that. And this was also a time where I was like, just piggybacking on all of my friends and family trips. One of my friends was looking at University of North Texas to go to for music school. They also have a design program, uh, which I didn't really look into. But I was like, oh, they're going to go. So I'll go with them. And we got like a, a free weekend to go check it out. And so uh, my friend Morgan went and checked out the music program. And I met up with the uh, dean of design, uh, who was really busy that day. And I feel like 
just didn't want to hear a new student talk or like ask questions. Um, and so he kind of abruptly was like, look, the program's really hard. And I am not a rage on the outside person. I'm definitely a rage on the inside person. Uh, and definitely like, a, okay, well, I'll show you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and so then I kind of uh, went to University of North Texas and, and that school you actually have to take a bunch of art classes before you can submit to be in the design program at all. So you have to take drawing one, uh, design one, and uh, maybe art history, a bunch of other things. And then you submit a portfolio to get into the design program. Uh, and a lot of people submit, it's pretty selective. They don't select a lot of people. And then it also they cut people almost by half every year. So it's kind of a wow. pretty competitive thing. Uh, and I was actually really bad at design at first. I just didn't know what I was doing. And when I actually got into typography and got into the design classes, I was I had grown up drawing and painting and that's kind of what I knew. And so when it came to simplifying or um, almost being forced to see things in that way, I, yeah, I definitely was bad at first, which was frustrating because I had been really good. I had come from my small town to do this and I was nervous because there were a lot of schools that had these art magnet programs or things like that. And so whenever I started doing drawing in college, I was like, oh, everyone's gonna be so much better than I am. And and then I was actually pretty good and could hold my own with that, which made me feel a little bit better. And then, and then I got my, uh, humility handed to me whenever I started doing design and was really bad at it at first. I mean, were you doing any design leading up to... None. No. Yeah. Okay. Nothing. So you just were like, this is it. I'm going to go. I can make money from this. Pretty much. It was okay. kind of, it was thinking through, yeah, I've always been a bit more practical as well. And so I just wanted to know that I could make money and then I could have something that is a bit more stable. Again, we grew up and it was... Um, lovely my mom did a good job but also there was not the most financially stable situation and did mom have a imprint on you when it came to being a creative oh she is the best she's a very creative uh person uh she's she never did like artistic things but she was always very creative and so we were mm. always making things or doing uh things like that and it, and we, when i told her that i wanted to do it she was super supportive she's always been very supportive about those things and uh, even if she at times is not really understood, or definitely there are times when I would bring home design projects and she just would not know what to, right. to say about it or like what I was actually, what part of it I was actually doing. Um, but I mean, like design is a language and if you don't, it's like somebody trying to speak to you in Mandarin and you have yes. no idea what they're saying. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm sure it would have been the same for you had she, or had somebody else in design came and talked to you when you're 15. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, did, I didn't speak the language. I, I also, yeah, I went a little bit in with maybe the confidence that I had with being better at drawing and painting and that world. Uh, but then I caught on, like learned and uh, it was nice. It's like the thing about those programs and the thing that I loved about going to design school is that, yeah, you're kind of all forced together and you're forced to make uh, friendships and you're also like kind of forced to be competitive. Uh, but they do a good job, at least with that program, at least my, my year. We were very competitive, but also very kind and like very much mm. helped each other out. And, and then we gave each other a lot of shit, but that's also part of it. And like we learned to take the harsh criticism in a really good way in that space. And so I really appreciated that for sure. And you graduated, right? I did. Degree. Yeah. Uh, which it, which was always great. I, you know, once I got kind of a, my handle on it, I definitely, I, my friends in the design program would give me a hard time because 
I would, I'm an overachiever. It's really painful. My poor friends, they put up with me and they love me anyways, but I would always come with like more work than they had asked for, like more sketches than they asked for. And in my head, it was never, it never had anything to do with kind of what everybody else was doing. It was more that I hadn't found a solution that I liked yet. And so mm. I was going to continue to make stuff until I felt good about what I had. Um, and I was like most critical of myself. And so therefore I would make myself do a lot more work. Um, and I, two of my very best friends in the program were like, oh yeah, we wanted to hate you so bad, but then you were so nice. <laughs> um, were they Southern also or? Yeah. Most people were from kind of like the South. It was okay. like definitely, um, more of a Texas school. And then, yeah, whenever I graduated, uh, I actually graduated top portfolio, which was wow. very exciting. And there it was like, a, it was a couple of people who we had all kind of been kind of top every year and they do it every year. Uh, and it was exciting to do. And I think it was like the first girl in a few years or first woman to, to have it in a couple of years, which was exciting as well. Um, Incredible. Yes. Yeah, so was there a lot of women in the design program? Yeah, it was actually pretty evenly split, split mm. which was nice. But it was interesting because the other arts were like drawing and painting, sculpture, um, all those things were are actually heavily weighted women more mm -hmm. so. Design was the only program where it was like equal parts men and women. Um, so I feel like it was like, it was actually pretty even, um, if I remember right, which I'm pretty sure. Incredible. So, okay, so you get this degree. Yeah. You finish. Mm -hmm. You're great at design. Mm -hmm. Now you don't work at all in design. So <laughs> where did that, like, where, where was that moment where you decided that you didn't want to do design anymore and you wanted to switch gears? Well, I love design. I still love design to this day. I think what happened is in school, it was so much about getting the best design um, piece, I guess. was But it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a aesthetic and also functional, right? And then once I actually started working in the industry, uh, there are just so many really dumb opinions you have to take into account. Um, I was working <laughs> at a few places and... These are agencies you were working at or what? Like, where did you go after school? Uh, the first place I went to was I had an internship at Pentagram in Austin, uh, which was actually lovely. I had two of my best buds who were a year older than me and two years older than me were already there and they had been, they had done the same thing. So they'd gotten internship right out of school and then they got hired and so I kind of was hoping to kind of do the same thing um but uh internships as we all know pay so very little uh if at all if in this at country all, if at all true and I just didn't have that kind of luxury to to have something that didn't pay anything and so I did a couple months there I got offered um full-time at a place back in Dallas it was an advertising agency kind of a smaller uh firm and they were offering me a lot more money uh, and I would have health insurance and I would have all these things, which even growing up, I never had health insurance. So this would be kind of the first time I had that kind of stability. Uh, so I was, I presented it to uh, my boss and he was like, yeah, I can't do that, which I knew was going to happen. But at that point I was actually still sending money back home. Uh, so it just, yeah, it was going to be a better fit for me. And uh, so I did that, uh, which was a bummer because I missed my friends. And then I was very bottom of the totem pole at an advertising agency doing design, which is worse. It's worse. Uh, worse. In yeah. what ways is it worse? Uh, you're not getting nearly as interesting of projects because Pentagram gets, yeah, really great design projects. And like some of the stuff I did there was um, a bit of busy work, but what they needed done, but it was still on beautiful projects, right? And then I got busy work on really dumb projects, uh, which is also fine and part of it. And I learned a lot in those phases. I, at that job in Dallas, I was actually the only female in creative. Uh, so being uh, 22 in Texas and being the only female in creative it, at an agency was interesting. Uh, definitely a boys club, I definitely imagine. Definitely a bit of a boys club. Um, so 
yeah, I think it was interesting to learn when I could and couldn't, um, like, not, I don't want to say speak, but just like, it was a bit of like being new in it and also kind of learning what was happening, but then also being in this kind of like boy space. Um, but they were like mostly very nice. There's only a few times where I, I definitely got handed the, the, um, the short straw of being the female uh, mm. in the group. Uh, and there were definitely times when they would be pitching certain clients that were uh, more feminine. It would be spas or we had this hospital and we were trying to increase mammograms. And all the ideas they came up with the commercial were really bad. And there definitely was a point where I was like, yeah, you guys can't do that. <laughs> right. Uh, so there was a few times where I just, and I think I got to grow confidence a little bit in that one as well. Mm. Um, and then I moved to a smaller boutique after that, a design one. So I went from advertising to literally it was like, three-man team uh, doing design, which that was amazing. I got hands-on everything, which was very fun. Um, I had a lot of say in kind of how things were going. I had negotiated uh, even higher pay. <laughs> um, so that worked out well for me. So then, and I think it was actually at that job that I started to really um, look at photography a bit more too. It's in Pentagram, we were doing a lot of publication projects. We were doing magazine layouts and book layouts and things. And so mm. we were sourcing a lot of photography. And I kind of started like a little bit of, of an obsession of like checking photography blogs or looking at it. And I just noticed that I loved the sourcing of it and looking at photography. And I think for me, it was a closer step to drawing and painting than design was. Photography? Well, I think because uh, just like the way it, it there was l less functionality needed for it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I really liked that. And so I just noticed that I was more obsessed with it than I was looking at design stuff, even though I still love design, but I think I just got burned on too many opinions about what things should be. And it's like, I would get so excited about projects at the very beginning with design. And then, you know, 14 million rounds in, as every designer knows, it's not your project anymore. Right. And and then you're not excited about it anymore. And then you, like, it hurts your heart. And at first I was like, trying to pretend like I didn't care. And I was like, I'm making money, it's fine, I don't care. And then I was like, no, I care too much. It's ugly now, it's not my idea anymore. And I would throw little tantrums and be very much over it. Um, and so, but yeah, in that, when doing the publication stuff, I was sourcing a lot of photography. And then I think there was one project where I had designed a fucking beautiful layout and I was very proud of it. And I had like sourced certain photos to like be placeholders and they sent me what actual photos had to go in it. And I was crushed and furious. <laughs> they were terrible. Yeah, they were really bad. And I think it was like at that point I had like kind of started to, I had bought myself a unbelievably shitty camera. And I had started to teach myself how to use it via YouTube videos, which anyone who's done that knows what a terrible purgatory that is of wow. really boring YouTube videos. It's just like learning the gear and it's like usually 500 year old men shooting really random stuff. And mm -hmm. yeah, it just is some old white guy taking pictures of the sunset old, or whatever. Yeah, it's so bad. Or they're taking pictures of like a way too young woman and you're like oh, oh no. i don't know there's so many things wrong with this but <laughs> right. I'm like but I'm like i need the information about how to put my camera or like how to learn it and i was also learning i was like my roommate at the time had a green thumb and she had a million plants and so it's actually funny if i look back uh when i was learning you know depth of field or shutter speed or uh, kind of how i like to shoot exposure wise i have a fuck ton of pictures of these plants that my roommate had because i was just kind of trying to figure out what i liked and i would and my computer was set up right by them, so I'd watch all these videos, and then I would test my camera and, like, figure out the things that I liked. Um, and I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, so, was that really the first time you owned a camera? Yeah. No. Wow. Yeah, that, and that was actually a funny thing that I realized later on, too, is, yeah, because photography was offered in high school, photography was offered in 
in college. And all those times I was like, nah, no, I'm not really into it. And then that was the first time. But I think I think whenever I saw how it played out in magazine layouts and book layouts and like the pacing and the narrative that you get to have with that, I think I became more interested in it in that platform um in print and in yeah, ways like that. yeah yeah okay. probably more so in in print because of that um right. and i think i also i liked yeah i liked the narrative like conversation around that seeing photos in that way um but yeah so that's the first time i picked up photography and like i had so many opportunities to do it before that and i was always like man nah, not really interested in it and right. then once i started doing it i loved it so much and i you know i did like everybody does uh, you start shooting your friends and um, is that what everybody does? I feel like I feel like everyone okay. who starts shooting like on their own, it's like you know you start making your friends like hang out with you and shoot them and annoy the shit out of them, or at least that's all my friends. Okay. Um, and so you have a lot of old photos. Oh yeah. Of your friends. Oh yeah. That yeah. are not good. I'm assuming. Oh, so bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did, I did. I made the mistake of looking back uh, a while a while ago, and I was like. I was like, oh, we must burn all of this. <laughs> no one can see this. But also I remember actually there was one guy that I, I remember looking at to his photography and then I kind of did a deep dive on, on online of like his old work and I, like, I felt comforted at how bad his early work was. Mm, right. Uh, That's what I mean. It's great to look back and see progress. It's <laughs> true. It is great to see progress. And I th it's funny to watch yourself go through cliches, right? Anyone, anytime we start a new artistic endeavor... We're usually drawn to it for very particular reasons, and then we have to like kind of get out all these bad ideas, these like mm -hmm. bad cliches that are part of it. Um, love, I love the bad ideas. Love the <laughs> shitty first draft. Love all the bad ideas. Those are the that's the best way to do it. It is, it is. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how I, I started into into photography. Okay, so then now you you have a camera. Yep. You're taking pictures. Yep. You're learning how to take pictures. Yep. Still working in design though. Yeah, so I still okay. have a design job for a little bit, and so then, this is a hobby at that point. Yeah, more more of a hobby. Okay. Um, I think I kind of knew that I wanted to do it, but I think right. I was also at that point. Yeah. It's the first time I had a steady salary. The first time I had health insurance, the first time I had uh, a lot of that kind of stability and I had like a really nice apartment and things. And the idea of abandoning ship and starting something and not having that stability was like just a huge bummer right. <laughs> for me. It's a very and, real reality that you have to think of. Yeah, it is. And especially it's like, I was just so, and I had just gone, you know, graduated from school and I worked so hard and I, I was just, honestly, I was just tired. Um, I feel like sometimes that is the motivator and that's okay. And so I stayed in the design jobs for a bit and I was just doing like little projects here and there. And then I got in with one of my friends who was shooting weddings at the time. And so kind of started to assist him shooting weddings. Mm. Um, and while I've never been a particular like weddings person, I think that what I noticed in it was like it was such this rich ground of the interactions of people and like how people interact. And it was, you know, about family and like kind of his was a bit more documentary style of it. And so I kind of fell in love with that a bit. It was just and also it was a it was a, a quick way to learn my camera. Like right. you're just like thrown into the deep end. You have no control over anything. It's shitty lighting situations all day, and you're supposed to make it look like a fairy tale. No, I literally can't imagine. It's I it is it's comical, and it's it's an interesting thing now, especially since I kind of made the transition. I still shoot some weddings, but like mostly commercial editorial work now. And I, I, I hate the yeah, the industry kind of shits on wedding photographers, but some of those photographers are unbelievably amazing because of all the stuff that they're making work in a really bad situation that they don't have control over and they right. still somehow make it work and it, it's made me innovative in the way that I shoot fashion or the way that I shoot other things because I I prefer to like walk around to something I, I, I do have 
ones where I have things set up, but like to be able to interact with a space or be able to like play with light is, is uh, yeah, you make really interesting things that way, I found. I want to come back to the wedding stuff in a minute, but okay. when you when you're shooting, I mean, like you're you're there, you have this camera. I mean, cameras are extremely expensive. Yeah. It's a very expensive hobby or profession, right? Yes. No matter what. Yeah. And I mean, generally, the people who are doing photography are like wealthy white people in the West, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, as well as in the East, a lot of uh, people in Asia are <clears throat> big on photography. But I mean, what? How did you decide to take the leap to buy a more expensive camera and yeah. to like? wade into the deep end of actually making this a real life profession yeah uh so i the, i think the first camera i bought was maybe like 500 dollars or something like that which definitely was a stretch at the time but then again i still had my full-time job so i was just kind of making it work with that and then and i had a few friends who had been in like photo club in college uh and they all give me crap too because they they joke how you know they'd done photo club forever they loved it and then i was like i think I want to take a photo and then I just became like I guess that's all I do now um and they like you know they taught me about like lenses and that kind of stuff and were very generous with their with the knowledge that they had um and so I think I was uh borrowing a camera for a bit as well and then I went I did, I did a huge jump I was actually shooting Nikon at the very beginning because uh, that's kind of the cheapest camera that I could find and then, but all my friends had Canon gear, uh, so I was definitely, I was noticing that they were, like, sharing and, like, you know, trading lenses and stuff. And so when it, I actually made a little bit more money, I decided to buy, like, the, I think I bought, like, the Mark II, the Canon 5D Mark II. And that was, like, the first big purchase that I made as far as a camera goes. And then I was able to, like, borrow my friend's lenses and get to, like, play in that space a bit more. And that's when I started second shooting, doing kind of photos uh, for weddings. And Explain what second shooting is, like. In the oh, wedding sense. Uh, in, the, in wedding photography. So depending on preferences, I think, of whatever the wedding photographer is, some photographer will bring a second shooter. It's a lot of moving parts on a wedding day. There's a lot of people. Sometimes you're going from several venues to another one. So just having a second set of eyes. Um, and usually what happens, or at least how I always did it, is if I was second shooting, I would shoot and then I would hand over my cards to the main shooter and they would kind of streamline, like put it within their photos as well, and they would edit the whole set together. So... And usually you split, uh, kind of divide and conquer. So one person is with the bride for getting ready morning. One person's with the groom for mm. the getting ready. Um, usually if you're doing family photos, the other person's going to cover cocktail hour. So just like just to um, be able to cover the day more fully, it's nice. And also it's also kind of a backup. Like if something happens, there's another person literally right there who can shoot things for you. Um, and so that's kind of what second shooting is. I mean, were you still working in design at this point? Yeah, because I could do it because okay. I could do it on the weekends, right? Okay. Yeah, so I could shoot on the weekends. And then I, um, oh, and then what, actually what really made me quit my job was I had been following uh, this woman, Joy Thigpen and Emily Newman, and they owned uh, a blog called Once Wed at the time, and also like a couple other projects, I think. But I just really liked what they made. They made these, like, really quiet, beautiful images. And, like, they would do some wedding stuff, but a lot of it was just atmospheric or just, like, uh, spaces or um, just beautiful kind of quiet moments, which is a thing that really resonated with me. And I – they were all, doing, That's all wedding photography? So they, they ran a blog that was right. all wedding photography. Okay. But on, the, on it, they also did, like – it was, you know, they would kind of tangent certain other things as well. It would be, like, travel photography mm. along with it, with whatever projects they had going on. But they also just had a very beautiful aesthetic and a very quiet aesthetic, which at the time, again, was something that I was really attracted to. I was really just like quiet, beautiful. And they were doing a photography workshop and they were doing they were giving away a seat to this photography workshop. 
And it was like, I had just, 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 just gotten on Instagram. I was like a late, a late adopter. And I saw that they, they had that and you could like, I, can't, I think you had to like post a photo, hashtag and tag them or something like that. And so I did it with a, I'd done a little kind of backyard party with a couple friends. We had a kind of some type of whiskey party and a few friends had put it together and they had like made it really lovely in the backyard. And I had a bunch of really beautiful shots from that. So I used one of those and I literally posted it and I checked like 10 minutes later and there was like 70 people who had applied and it's like everybody who had like shot I hadn't even shot a wedding at the time they had you know shot a lot more than I had they just were actual professional photographers uh and I was like cool 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 I'm glad that it didn't cost me <laughs> any money and yeah. and I didn't even check back and then I was working uh on a project and I got this email from this woman who was like hey congratulations on getting the seat I saw that you do design work I would love if you actually help me design a logo and I was like so taken aback and it took I had to like read through it a couple times to even like remember what had happened and so then I went and checked the blog and sure enough they had like posted on the blog that like I'd won the seat to this photography workshop and at that time I was living in Los Angeles and the workshop was in Atlanta so even buying the plane ticket to get there, even though the workshop was free. And then also I was like, well, uh, trying to figure out what to do with like work stuff. Cause it was like during the weekdays. Um, and so it was just like a lot of things. And I, you know, ended up just taking the week off and going to do that and bought the ticket and went. And it was so crazy there because I've been just shooting for fun and just shooting a bunch of different things. And, and part of the workshop was also having a one-on-one -on -one with Joy. And so I remember sitting down with Joy and her and I had had a few good talks and I could tell, I think there are certain people that you just really resonate with. And I just like felt very at ease with her and like the things that we liked um, were very similar. And so, yeah, we just got along really well. Um, and so when we sat down to talk, I had pulled up some of the images that I was proud of or that I'd shot. Um, and she was like, she's like, okay, that's all great. But like, when can I work with you? And I remember even there just being like turning around and being like, is she talking to right now <laughs> can't be me <laughs> it can't be me yeah and uh and she was so sweet about it and so encouraging and i think that i needed that like i needed someone whose aesthetic that i appreciated so much to just be like oh no i like right now i would work with you right. um and and i think at that time i was like i was like okay this is viable like i i am i'm capable of doing this uh and i remember <laughs> and then i remember going back home and I had emailed and just thanked them profusely for like letting me come to the workshop and giving me the free seat and getting seen. And I got to meet a bunch of other photographers and much other people there uh, and a few people that I would go on to work with in other projects. And, and then I remember not, so I like emailed them. I was like, Hey, let me know um, if whenever you want to work together and like six months go by. And it definitely was a like panic moment and I quit my job, but I was doing freelance design and freelance photography. So it was great because all of my friends were still in design jobs and every design job overbooks their designer. So there's always random overflow work that you can do. Uh, and I was actually pretty nervous about it because I, again, I was nervous about quitting a full-time job, but the first year that I quit, I made more money than I would have at my full-time job just by doing freelance and getting freelance jobs from all of my friends and, and starting to do, and like photo made no money like that first year, but uh, but I was getting to do it a lot more because I had a lot more free time and I wasn't like stuck at a desk um, in a, in a full-time job. But yeah, so they, I didn't hear back from them for the longest time. And so I kept sending these emails like, hey, just letting you know I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm still here. Yeah, and like trying not to be pushy, but just trying to remind them. And then finally, Emily emailed me. They had gotten a partnership with uh, this champagne company and they needed to shoot some content for their blog that was like kind of wedding, but also kind of not and was more just moody imagery, which... At the time, wedding photography was 
bright. It was bright and airy. There was like a huge film wave. It was a uh, very soft focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just had been really naturally attracted to kind of darker imagery. Uh, and, and not darker as in content, but just like moodier lighting or just right. kind of that, that stuff. And so um, whenever she initially reached out, she was going to book the models. And I found a place for us to shoot. She sent me the champagne bottles and the flutes and stuff. And we kind of just came up with this like, it was a, an after, either an after wedding kind of idea, narrative, storyline to go through, or like just an after. So we just kind of had all these glasses open, and we had all these like varying levels of champagne in the glasses, and I had like people holding them, and this couple that was like kind of romantic. So it's just this very um, like beautiful story for that. And so I shot that, but I was really nervous because she wasn't even on set, and so I was pretty much shooting it by myself. And the whole time I kept checking back in with her because I would I would look at her blog and it was so so bright, and what I was shooting just wasn't that. And I was like, Emily, I just need you to know that I'm gonna shoot this like I'm gonna shoot it, and I just need that to be okay. And and she was like, No, I know it's a risk, and we're gonna do it, but I'm so sick of this, and I want to see different kind of stuff on here, so let's do wow. it. Which is like the opposite of what you were hearing in the design world, oh, where yeah. you're like. I think we should do this. And they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, I think that was another thing, too. It's like I, re- I really realized that Emily and I kind of, it's, it's interesting, those people that you can you just feel very comfortable with initially. And, and I think there is this idea that when somebody else finds the same thing beautiful that you find beautiful, you, you have common ground there. And I think that's kind of what I felt with both of them. But also like the trust yeah. is important. Yeah. And so that for them to trust you and trust your eye and yeah. say, okay, we'll step away from what we're used to in our branded image and let you do what you want to do is... Yeah. It's incredible. And I think that was the interesting thing, too, is because what I realized whenever I was at that workshop was that I was the only one, or not the only one, but I was one of the few people who had studied design and had studied art in college. Like, a lot of them had maybe picked up photography, and they had just done photography the whole time. And I do think having those other avenues has made the my photography work more interesting to me. Right. <laughs> uh, like, I feel like having the design background, having the drawing and painting background, having those things, it's... Uh, I think it's informed the way, as opposed to if I had just done photography the whole time, which who knows what it would look like then. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the thing that Joy and I really connected with because she also did drawing and painting growing up. And mm-hmm. so there was a bit of that um, as well. I mean, there's this intersection of all these different forms of creativity that yeah. I think not enough people acknowledge the yeah. importance of them. But to be able to be a great filmmaker, you need to also be aware of like architecture or how lighting works or color. There's so many other things that are important within all these different forms. So yeah. I'm sure it informed you in a really important way, right? Absolutely. And I think it was, it informed me in a really important way. And I, it, I didn't realize it until a lot later. And also I, I didn't realize that as I was learning, I knew all of the principles of design, the elements of design. I knew color theory. I knew all of those things. So for me, when I was learning photography, it was learning the gear. It was learning right. how to make what I wanted to make. I knew what I wanted to make, but I just didn't know how to like, make the technology do that um and so i think that was the thing that i realized too is like a lot of people were learning both of those sets skill sets at the same time and i actually had one already set and i was just learning the other skill set which was kind of nice that's so incredible though i mean i feel like a lot of people step into something and don't have something to say or don't have something to to push forward and it's you're when you come into it with something to say and all you got to figure out is how to say it it's incredible you know all you got to do is learn the language right yeah um, so that, that was kind of how that all went with them. And then I didn't really work with them again for a long time, but I did some portraits for Emily and a couple other things. And then Joy sent me my first wedding that I shot by myself. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how those... And then from there, I kind of fell into this wedding world a bit just because I was getting work from them. And 
and it honestly for me it made it it made that fear of not having stability really nice because when you shoot wedding I mean the first year I shot weddings I only shot two so I was like definitely hustling a bunch of other stuff and I was still doing a lot of design at this time so still kind of supplementing with that stuff and then I went from two to ten so I wow. shot two one year and then I shot ten the next year and then the next year I shot 21 I think <laughs> okay yeah and it was crazy too because even in that it was like I was learning how to price and I was learning how to run a business and like I didn't know how to do any of that also any whoever signed off on me having my own business should be fired because there's just so many times where I've cobbled together something that works and I'm still surprised uh that, that it does um give me an example what well, I mean, when it came to like <laughs> my poor, my poor tax uh, guy, so I was just doing everything in like Google spreadsheets. I just would like log what I had bought or what I, you know, made or everything. And there, I definitely did that. And there was one year he was like, for the love of God, will you get QuickBooks for me? <laughs> uh, and also, these are the things they don't teach you at school. They don't, they don't teach you. Teach yeah, you, so. I didn't know. Uh, I was like, I know I need to keep track of it. And so mm -hmm. this is how I was doing it. Um, but yes, yeah, so, and, and, and then learning, learning with wedding photography that so much of it was actually. Uh, like psychology and therapy and like you're with people on this very intimate day and also they're very nervous and they're around their family and I, I worked with this our second shot with this one guy who was an amazing shooter but just like on the spectrum as far as how to connect with people and like talk to people and there definitely be times where he would be saying things to like a bride or a groom and I'd be like uh, actually what he means is you look amazing we're trying <laughs> to figure stuff out over here and realizing that the experience especially in this situation is very important like a couple who has uh, one of that maybe don't gel with, like they'll remember that and that will actually affect maybe how they look at the photos, I think. Right. Um, and vice versa, if I feel like a friend, then I obviously I'm going to get also just kind of closer images with them. They're going to be feel more comfortable. I'll be able to like be a little sneakier and get kind of more candid moments if I can. So I mean, photography, as soon as there's people, it becomes performative in some way. Absolutely. It's a conversation at that yeah, point. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think people don't really realize that, that in order to get a good image, you're going to have to be there, be present, make them feel present, make them feel comfortable, make them, put them in the space that you want them to be in in order to get those photos. So if you're there at yeah. a wedding making somebody feel insecure, it's not yeah. going to be good, yeah. And I, do, I think there, there's this idea that we're, part of my job or part of photographer's job is make people feel comfortable. And I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it, your your job is to, to get the um, intended outcome mm. for the imagery. So, so like, sometimes uncomfortable. So sometimes good. uncomfortable is actually what you want, depending on what, what you're going for with what yeah. the project is, so. But being sure that you are putting somebody in the position you want them to be in to get that image is important. Yes. And I think it's, uh, yeah, I think the more that I've looked at it, the more I feel like their conversations. And, and, and a little bit, I think my job is to kind of fall in love with the subject that I'm shooting, like to see things in them that um, someone close or intimate would see, right? I think that makes a more interesting image than like surface level things or like, and I think that was a thing that I realized early on um, to try to look at this person as though they are somebody who you are close to or somebody that um, you have a different kind of connection with than maybe what you actually have, which is that they just walk in the door and you have to take their picture. Um, and it's funny because I get, I get nervous. I still, I mean, I get better now, but I still get nervous before every time because I don't know what that's going to be. And like not knowing what kind of, what they're going to feel like. And I'm just really empathetic. And if they're nervous or if they're, feeling annoyed or things like that then I'm like I'm like oh I'm about to have these feelings for two days after this shoot um which is there's a lot of feelings I'm sure at a, at a wedding oh yeah and weddings are yeah rich with something there's everyone's nervous they're happy or they're sad and they're all those things at the same time um and it's hot and it's miserable uh but it's it's very sweet I, I think 
it's sweet afterwards. Um, I think getting to hand people kind of these legacy images that they'll cherish. That was the thing that I realized in doing more fashion or more editorial is people love those images, uh, but they do not love them as much as my wedding clients love their images, right? They have whole um, excitement around kind of what I give them and they'll like the fashion shoots that I do, people will look at them and they'll love them, uh, but they'll forget about them. And there's something about these wedding images of people's grandparents or their children or um, being able to look back on it when they're fighting with their significant other <laughs> and cheer re them up. remember a time where, yeah, they felt maybe a bit more connected. So, uh, yeah, I like that. I like the idea of that. I'm not, I'm not too cool to offer that to people. But I mean, there's, the, okay, so there's this negative, and you touched on this as well, there's kind of a negative opinion of people who do wedding photography, right? Mm -hmm. And no opinion here one way or the other. But that said, you're somebody who's received incredible uh, attention for the wedding photography that you actually do, right? So what, what, what were those some of the turning points when you started to land on these lists and get uh, get credit for the work that you're doing in that space? Oh, yes, I have one more time. Sorry. I mean, think about, okay, so you went from going from two weddings to, yeah, yeah, yeah. was it 10 and then to 22? And yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as you're making these jumps, was it the attention that you were getting that was that was that reason or what was the reason that you were able to um, start to get a lot more weddings booked? Um, yeah, I think at the beginning it was just knowing the right people. Uh, so, I mean, I, we had this conversation not here, but about luck. Right. <laughs> I do feel like, well, well, the we'll, we'll have this conversation around luck, but I think, yeah, just reaching out to people who were, what I started to do was reach out to wedding planners and that kind of stuff. And then I think because of the industry and the how it was at the time and the way that I kind of started shooting in it um, and having the drawing and painting background, having the design background, I was making a little bit different imagery than a lot of people were. Um, and I think it, it's, an, yes, people look down on wedding photography fairly. There's a lot of really bad wedding photography out there. It is, it is rich in, in badness. It's, <laughs> it's rough. It's a rough world out there. Uh, and I think the people who do it well do it really, really well, which is which is great. Um, but then I think they're, I try not to have too much judgment about it because some people are doing it because of its lucrativeness, like you can make money doing it and they and that's all they care about, which is great. I understand that being your top priority. And then some people are in it because, yeah, they want to make um, beautiful documentary imagery or like kind of look at these things in a different way and they want to make more art, um, even if people will still look down on it because it's weddings. Right. But I think, yeah, the second that I started to get more attention, I remember my first little feature in like C magazine. And I remember getting that and like someone emailed me about it. And I had just shot, I think I had only shot like maybe five or six weddings at that point, but I shot a couple in LA. And they were like, yeah, we're doing a feature on new, uh, new wedding photographers. We'd love to have a little thing uh, about you. And I was like, it's the same thing. It was the same thing with like Joy. I was like, who? Me? Who are you talking to right now? I just feel like I didn't, it's like I'd shot so little. I'd done. I had not done nearly as much work as I felt like other people had done at the time. And so that feature came out. And then I think from that, um, there was a few people who moved from C Weddings to Martha Stewart Weddings and then from Martha Stewart Weddings to Harper's Bazaar. Uh, and I think through those connections, I got on the Harper's Bazaar list for wedding photography. Um, kind of the first year they put it out was only 19 of us. And then it's kind of grown since then. And yeah, from that, it was interesting when I first got on that list, I definitely noticed an uptick of kind of clients who were more interested in like the name of things or like what dress name they had or those or what kind of shoes they had or those stuff. And I didn't initially love that at all um, because what I was really attracted to was this 
beautiful space of people interacting and caring for each other and, and getting to see genuine moments as opposed to staged ones. Mm -hmm. And that was a thing that I hated about general wedding photography. It just felt like so staged. Everything felt very staged. And so to get the more messy moments, the more genuine ones were really important to me. But then I also have a very particular aesthetic. So getting the more fashion and more beautiful moments was uh, kind of a thing for me too. And the way that I have approached it and wanted to approach it is um, more poetry. So yeah, there's like little things that I like to do. The, for the clients, they're, it's such a blur. Like they're not going to remember anything. First off, they have a lot of feelings. There's a million people around. But if I can kind of capture some things that they maybe don't get to see or the feel of how it felt for them, as opposed to like what the actuality is, then that's kind of important to me. And even as simple things as like, I always kind of take a picture of the sky. Um, I think there's something romantic about knowing what the sky looked like on the day that you got married or those things. And so just little bits like that for them that is you know, small moments, but I think it means a lot to people who really care about those things. So then you take a shift, right? You start shooting other stuff other than just wedding photography. Correct. And I mean, everything from plants to people, right? <laughs> so what, I mean, when you started to make that shift, was that, was all of that work informed by the wedding stuff mm -hmm. as well as the painting stuff? I mean, how much did all the, those other things you were doing, including wedding photography, inform the, the other photography you were doing? So I was always shooting other small things that weren't weddings. I mean, the one year that I shot a bunch of weddings, I didn't shoot anything else, and I just cried by myself um, wow. because I was so tired. It was it was too much for me. Other people can do it. I'm I, I'm baffled that other people can do it. I like to remember everybody's name, and I think emotionally, I just can't hang with shooting that many. So even now, I only shoot a few, uh, and people that I get really excited about because I like the people. Um, and so the shift came. I yeah, just started shooting. They were all wedding tangent things. So first one I think I got that was kind of big was Jennifer Bear. So Jennifer Bear, she's accessories designer. She makes jewelry headpieces and things. And she has a wedding kind of part of her line. And I think someone at Harper's gave her my name. She's in New York. And so I started shooting her lookbook every year. But part of her lookbook is more fashion as well. So it's not just weddings. It's like fashion stuff. So we would shoot that. And then I got... Um, yeah, a couple like small brands in LA that I started shooting fashion for and then I was traveling a lot for these weddings and so I would just shoot travel photos just for fun and so then that's kind of how I got some of the travel jobs that I got and then I started shooting interior spaces because I shot a wedding for this Aussie couple who opened up Surfrider Malibu uh, on PCH and whenever they love their wedding photos and whenever um, they opened up the hotel. They're like, hey, do you want to come shoot the hotel? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to come shoot the hotel. And we were buds at the time, so I shot the hotel. And then the architect who designed that hotel loved the images that I shot at the hotel. So then I started shooting his work. Um, so I shot, like, so many of his properties from there. So all Where of are these properties? All around the U.S.? Uh, most of them, no, no. The ones that I've shot are all in kind of, like, L.A., Malibu area. Okay. And then, yeah, everything that I've gotten non-wedding has been by a wedding connection, really. Um, yeah. Kind of a tangent. And I've shot... Um, Alice Beach, which was a wedding, was a wedding connection that I shot uh, with this stylist, a wedding stylist, and then she put me up to shoot the interior spaces for these architects that designed that. So I shot their their work. And where is Alice Beach? It's in Florida. It's like on the. Is this the one where you shot the entire like town? Yeah, they did like a rebrand of the town, so I got to shoot. Incredible. It was it was really fun because at first when they emailed me about it, I was like, "There's no way I'm gonna get this." Um, <laughs> But I actually felt I was a really good fit because they needed someone to shoot, uh, obviously, interiors, exteriors for the town, food, because there's some restaurants in the town. Um, it's lifestyle because there's lots of kids and it's a very family-oriented place, so getting able to shoot that. 
fashion because it is kind of a beautiful space. And so they needed someone who could shoot kind of all of these things. And I was like, yo, I'm actually a good pro for that. I actually do shoot all those things. And they had looked at shooting with a few different photographers and just shooting with um, several different photographers for the same project. But I think I was able to do kind of the full project, which was nice and would be kind of a bit more seamless. Um, and so I shot uh, that job, which was uh, huge and big. And actually, that was the first job that I got to kind of create my own team for. So I got to pull in uh, a creative producer and uh, wardrobe and hair and makeup and kind of pull the team together that I wanted. Um, pulled a nice all-lady team together. We had a lot of fun. Uh, so that was really good. And then, and then I think from that, after they saw some of the interior shots, I started shooting for Compass. So, yeah, it's kind of all snowballed. And it's I, and I think we were talking about it's I've never really marketed certain things. I've definitely like sent a bunch of emails, like reaching out to people. But it's nice to know that first off, people resonate with the work, and then that my name gets passed along. Like, oh yeah, if you want somebody, you should talk to this person. Um, and also means that people don't think I'm a jerk on set, which is helpful. I think uh, and have a I try to have a good time. It's 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 nice to work with your friends if you can. So. Right. I mean, this, and photography is taking you everywhere, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, oh, that, that's actually just such a lovely thing because, yeah, I grew up really poor. I hadn't been anywhere. And the first time I went to New York City, I went to shoot this job uh, for Amy Osaba, who's a florist. She's a really amazing uh, wedding florist. And she had this, she used to be a ballet dancer, and she had this idea for a shoot that she just wanted to do for fun. Um, and so she had this ballerina come out, and we shot Samuel Couture dresses, which are uh, really, really beautiful uh, wedding designer as well. And so, yeah, the first time I went to New York City was for that. And the first time I went to Europe was to shoot a wedding. And then I started going, yeah, it, it's actually, that part is really amazing for me because it was a thing, I always wanted to travel, I always wanted to go somewhere. I just felt like I was from a small town and I wasn't very good at things or that I would be kind of stuck a bit more. And then to be able to go to Hong Kong and Ireland and Spain and, I mean, just so many different places was yeah, very exciting for me and felt, and all, it was very cute for mom too. It's like telling mom like, oh, I'm going here now. And she loved all that. So it was good. Was there a place in particular that had uh, left an impression in terms of uh, how you make work? Uh, I mean, I think I started to get really into just like street style photography or just kind of like shooting that stuff whenever I went to Hong Kong. Mm. And Hong Kong was amazing. I shot, I I got flown out there to shoot a wedding, and but my grandmother is actually half Chinese, and she were she grew up in Hong Kong a bit, as well as a bunch of other places. And so whenever I told her I was going to Hong Kong, she was so excited about it. And and part of it was like me taking pictures to send to her. Uh, but then also Hong Kong is just weird. It's like this weird juxtaposition of really really modern and um, really really old, kind of back and forth, back and forth. And it's also layered in such an interesting way. And so I kind of started to shoot more, a little bit more street stuff there. And then I think the next year I went to Morocco and uh, same thing, became obsessed with kind of just shooting what was happening in the street and that, and kind of what life looked like there. And, and then I went to Russia the year after that and getting to do that as well. Or actually that was the same year, I think. Uh, yeah, so I think those, that Hong Kong was probably the first place that I was like really, it was more about what the people look like on the street and what the streets look like. And before that, it was like more travel photos. So it was like pretty photos of these places that I had gone. Um, but then Hong Kong was the first one that I shot. It was just maybe a bit um, like edgier, not edgier, but just like not as clean. Um, or it wasn't more about being beautiful. It was about being interesting. And so I think it kind of shifted in that. And then when I went to Morocco and Russia, I got to shoot more of that, which was fun. 
And so you had throughout this whole time all of these different people you pointed to, particularly a lot of women, mm -hmm. who were gave you these kind of like micro uh, mentorships, right? Yeah. And so throughout that time, was there one person in particular who was like a constant who always helped you, even if they, whether they were or were not a photographer? Yeah. I don't know if there was someone who was constant. I think... Yeah, that the first bit, the first couple of years was definitely like Emily and Joy were amazing, and even Emily got me a few other jobs that were outside of weddings, uh, just kind of partnerships. We shot sandals uh, at the resorts <laughs> one time, which was uh, interesting and fun. And then we shot a few dress lines. Actually, I forgot we we shot a couple jobs together. We went to Tulum. That was my first time to Tulum. Was with Emily and Joy, and we shot this dress line, uh, which was. Um, we, we we made work, um, but it wasn't the the prettiest. Uh, and yeah, so we whenever we were like lining everything up, it was like mm, this one will look good from really far away, and this one will be a motion blur. Right. <laughs> so just kind of planning for that. But they they were kind of the first bit, and then after that, it kind of became people that I was just friends with, who I was working in the industry with, like my friend Kayla Rawson. Actually, she has been constant for the least the last probably four years or so. She was actually assisting a stylist at the t um, when I shot this registry company. And then we kind of became friends and then she started to do a lot more of her own work and she was doing the stylist. She's also a really amazing designer. And then she started working for this company called Outset in Los Angeles. And that's how I started shooting um, Marie Kondo and True Botanicals and Hello Me and a bunch of other kind of brands like that out here. Um, was honestly just working through Kayla, but also we're like best buds. So we just work really well together. Uh, Kayla doesn't speak English on set half the time. And so she just like speaks Kayla. Uh, and I, <laughs> I speak Kayla fluently now. Uh, and so we get along really well on set. So she's been a bit of, I, mean, I would say like friend, but also mentor. It's like, mm. you know, we both help each other in, in that kind of a way. And we, we were joking too. It's like we kind of grew up in it together. So that was nice as well. Yeah, that's amazing to have that journey together with somebody. And Absolutely. I mean, one thing that I'm really impressed by is uh, you taking on the role of a mentor, right? And so you've you've mentored all of these people in, you know, longer form ways and sometimes only one meeting, right? So what, I mean, what propelled you to want to do that? Well, I think I just was so, whenever I was like trying to get into it, I was so hungry to make the transition and do photo full time from doing design. And I just was... I was so grateful for people who just were generous with their knowledge and were generous, honestly, even with their compliments. It's like just getting some, and you know, some people may not, um, you know, the currency of compliments, they may not trust it as much, but I think for me, I needed people to be like, Hey, you're good at this. And I'd be like, really? Okay, cool. Let's right. do this. Right. <laughs> and I don't need it all the time, but I think having key people who really saw that. And so, yeah, when it came to doing the mentorships, people would just randomly email me and ask a couple questions. And, and while I don't mind emailing back, it just is easier to like take a call or to do like a FaceTime kind of thing. And what I did is I would just let them ask whatever they wanted and then kind of give them how I did things. And usually they would ask, you know, how I got certain jobs or how I was shooting certain, thin, certain things or they would want to, you know, talk about editing and Really, I think everyone's kind of different and what they want is different, like what they want from photography, what they want to move in it with or even from art or their business. And so I kind of just let them ask whatever they want and then I'll answer as best I can. And there's so many times where I'm like, I'm so sorry, I don't know. Or <laughs> there's been time, the best part is when there are times when I'm trying to show people are asking me about editing and I'm sitting there editing with them and then they do something that's way faster than the way that I've been doing it. And mm -hmm. I have to be like, hey, so how'd you do that? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a two-way street. And it, it is, should be. yeah. And I, I mean, I taught myself. So, like, I taught myself all the things. And so they're trying, and, and they'll also, like, use terms, like, the proper terms for things. And I won't use the proper terms for things. And then that's always, like, a moment of, like, mm, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I didn't learn that on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then I got asked to do, uh, teach this photography workshop in London. And that was kind of the first big time. Like, I'd done little things of, like, little teaching and, like, little mentoring things. But that was, like, a couple days. Uh, and it was crazy. It was like this Russian wedding company, uh, like they were designers, and they kind of set the whole thing up. So I just went there and I just, you know, taught what I knew. But like so many, there's like a lot of Russians and a lot of Italians and some people from London. And, you know, I, th that was kind of like crazy to me that they like wanted to hear me say how I did this. And, I, and again, I think with wedding photography, people see it as an avenue to be able to shoot, be able to do things, be able to have more control over their schedule of their lives uh, than having a full-time job. And I fully support that. Like, that's what some people need to feel happy in their lives. Um, and so if that's their goal, great. If their goal is to like make more art, then great. I'll talk to them about that. Um, if their goal is to make their clients feel more comfortable, great. We'll talk about that. If they want to talk about taxes, I'll be like, I'm so sorry. You should definitely talk to somebody else. <laughs> right. uh, or I'll give them the, the, the cobbled way that I have made my business work in that. So, but yeah. And then when it comes to, yeah, other times it's, People end up being mentors that are also friends. It's really kind of how I look at it. It's like we're all able to learn stuff from each other. Um, and and that's also the people that I have keep around. I'm always like, yeah, they're making good work. Like I want to see what they make anyway. So it's fun mm -hmm. for me too. Um, so I like that. I, think. I remember I asked you what like was the most common question you get. Mm -hmm. And I think you said like, the main one was how did you get to where you are now, right? Yeah. And so... I mean, I think at first you were kind of like, well, I'm, I'm lucky. And yeah, yeah. we had a whole conversation around this. And I'm interested because I think that, I mean, I, I think we at the end kind of agreed to agree. But <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I don't think it is about luck. I mean, as luck plays a role in everything. But at the end of the day, you need to put yourself in a position to be able to get lucky, right? Yeah. So what advice do you give to people in order to put themselves in a position to win? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the idea that you you won't win the lottery if you don't play. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, it, I, to me, it felt so lucky, I think, whenever I was in it and, go, and going through it. But now I see the ways in which uh, I'm stubborn, uh, which can be helpful in, in times like these. I also am kind of obsessive. Uh, and so I noticed whenever I made the transition of doing design to, like, I became obsessed with photography. I was looking at it all the time. I wanted to, mm -hmm. like, shoot all the time. I wanted to do it all the time. And... And also just like recognizing times or making sure it's about what you want to do. It's like, I think we definitely get this moment where it's like, oh, this is what I should do, uh, which is a dangerous, slippery slope. Um, and so if it's a thing that you naturally love doing, then you're going to want to do it more and you're going to want to put time into it more. You're also going to be okay whenever you don't get accolades for it. Mm. I think doing a thing without the um, expectation of accolades, without the expectation of monetary um, uh Return. Return. Your, and then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, then, then you're doing it. And if, if you get those things, great. <laughs> That's also awesome. But if you don't, then you're also feeling fulfilled about parts of what you're doing, right? You're, if, I can't remember. There's one quote that I just read. It was like, if you make work for you, at least one person's satisfied. <laughs> That's true. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, which, which, is, which is definitely the hope for it. Um, but yeah, I think you just have to kind of put yourself out there. I, anytime I was trying to, like, when I made the transition to doing wedding photography I obviously didn't have any weddings so I had nothing to show people but I would set up like little shoots that were kind of wedding-ish so it'd be like a table setting to look like it or I had like had these neighbors that were just very hot and so I was like hey I'm gonna put you guys in like the I think I honestly oh my god the dress that I put my friend Catherine in I think I got it from like forever 21 or something and her and her husband I just had them like kind of 
go out on this um like pretty cliff side and just like made this little fake almost wedding for it and then whenever i started shooting fashion it was kind of the same thing it's like i knew that i wanted to shoot it so then it was um finding some things from like vintage shops that i really liked getting the mood that i wanted and i think people don't know what you can shoot if you don't show them um and so if you're wanting to be in a certain space, you may not be able to be, to be to the level that you want, but you can fake it. Right. <laughs> and like, that's kind of what you have to do at the beginning because people won't know that you're capable of doing that until you actually show them um, that you are. So. Right. And I think, I mean, any form of creativity is very self-referential. So you're, mm -hmm. I'm sure, pulling from different photographers as yeah. you're coming up and maybe even now. Yeah. But <clears throat> what are other forms of, of art that you are influenced by? Is there a particular... Maybe not even forms of art, but particular artists or architects or um, people who work in the culinary arts that, that actually informed your process in terms of photography. Uh, I mean, I I was trying not to look at photography as much because mm. I, well, because I when I first came, I was like, that's all I did. I just looked and looked and looked, and then I just didn't want to. I mean, we all we all kind of. Um, thieves <laughs> we all yeah. kind of rob ideas from each other but i was trying yeah trying to like have other things informed so yeah definitely like a lot of movies a lot of movie stills i remember early on like pausing a lot and like screenshotting like certain movies that i thought were really beautiful in the way and again because i was interested so much in like the narrative of it as opposed to just like a good image it's like is there a, like a cinematographer or a um a film in particular you could point to i mean i don't remember like a particular one i think um I mean, I remember like loving the color stories and the the formatting of like you know Wes Anderson stuff whenever I was in college and loving that. And then Malik has always been so beautiful. Um, I'm trying to think if there are particular ones. Yeah, I feel like I became less obsessed with certain artists or certain movies or certain things, and it was just the medium as a whole and what you were capable of doing with it, maybe. And I always encourage people when I'm talking to them to like if they're feeling stuck in photography, like stop looking at photography and like go start looking at drawing and painting or design. And in one of the recent things that I taught, I was talking about uh, taking two different images and then making something new that way, as opposed to just ripping off the exact thing that one image is. Um, and so that was a way to just kind of get people to like make something new. I think we get stuck uh, in where we're at and, and there's almost like a comfort in what we already know. And then to be like, okay, so I have this bright colored image and this like, um, Grecian statue and if you were to overlay these what would you make um, right. and kind of encouraging people to do something more of that uh, that's amazing yeah. I mean instead of just staying in the box of photography and Correct. being another one of everybody else right yeah and then also I told I had another friend I was talking to and I was like you have to do a shoot that has so many colors in it that you're uncomfortable because it was like all of her things were such muted color palettes and they were beautiful but she was bored and I was like yep you have to, I'm, I'm going to make you put a whole rainbow in one photo and you're going to hate it, but you need to make it to a way that you actually like it. So good luck. <laughs> to force people to challenge themselves. Yeah. Step okay. outside of their box. Which right? I think I learned from design. Like I think I learned that in design school was uh, kind of that forcing yourself to um, make do with, if you, hold on, make sense here in a second. If you give yourself parameters, uh, then you kind of have to create within that, that lane. And that actually makes you make something new as opposed to just having a blank canvas, right? And doing whatever you want. Um, and I think that's the thing that I kind of learned in design. And also, I think a thing that I learned in design is like iterations, right? It's like in design, when I was doing uh, logos, I was drawing hundreds of logos uh, before, you know, winnowing down and then making revisions and revisions and revisions. And the idea of, of casting a wide net and trying a bunch of things is very like natural to me. I noticed that maybe it's a less natural thing to 
people who have maybe just studied photography, they're less likely to want to cast a white net or like try a bunch of things. And and even just like because I didn't also learn it in school, I didn't really have a concern with like doing it the right way, uh, which I think was helpful at the beginning. Uh, and even now, it's like I don't necessarily have a huge concern with doing it the right way. I like to do it the way that makes me feel good and makes like that emotional connection a bit more. So I think that's also helpful. And is there is there something when you look back on your career that really stands? I mean, I asked you this the other day, actually. I was like, what is the accolade that you're most proud of? And your answer was actually really beautiful. <laughs> well, I think the, the thing that, and we kind of touched on a little bit, but the thing that I am kind of proud of is because I did focus so hard on making things that I felt really passionate about, that I really loved, that I thought were really beautiful. Um, I focus more on that than on like, I didn't really, I don't really have to market. I don't really have to uh, kind of look for work, work kind of comes. And I think after those first few years of just like literally blowing so much wind in the sales of my career and like just hustling. just hustling and wanting to pass out. And then I kind of got to this point where I was telling you it was a couple years ago. I, yeah, work just comes. Like I always have kind of something coming on and I don't really have to worry. And it's like almost a thing that I don't even realize that I need to be grateful for because it, I think I hustled for so long and was like saying yes to everything mm. that now that I don't have to do that as much anymore. And that feels like that's the thing that I'm really proud of because it, it mainly because of what it says. It says that first off, people are really resonating with the things that I make and they're resonating with the things that I love first. Cause like I don't, I try not to show something if I don't want to shoot it again. Um, and they're also like enjoying working with me enough to tell people about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is helpful. And I think, yeah, I think some people care only about what they make, but I care about how I make people feel too. And I care about kind of those partnerships with people. And usually the clients that I have, like Jennifer Bear and I have been shooting for like six years together now. Mm-hmm. And um, I like that. I like having those things as longer term ones and that trust of people trusting me with their babies in a way, like their, their vision of what their stuff is. So yeah, that I think I was. I am really proud of that. That I don't have to um, kind of look for work in that way. That people kind of are consistently reaching out to to work with me because they enjoy that and they enjoy the work. And that for me feels like a thing that, yeah, I feel like that feels good to me. That's the biggest accomplishment. It feel yeah, it feels like an accomplishment. And I think also knowing like a lot of friends, I, I do feel very grateful. I have a lot of friends who are yeah, they have a harder time maybe finding work or they're having to hustle a little bit more even after several years of doing it and. Um, and I think it's the thing that I need to recognize that I should be grateful for. I mean, one thing that I always tell people is my, the thing that I'm most appreciative of when it, aside from, let's say family and friends, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that I'm most appreciative of is always the ability to be able to say no, right? The oh, luxury yeah. that I have to oh. be able to say no to things. Yes. Once I got to the point where I didn't have to say yes to everything, yes. I was like, life is so amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I definitely that. Or it's like, no, or uh, I add a pain in the ass tax. I'm like, if they're willing to pay this much, then oh yeah, then yeah, of course yeah, I'll yeah, do yeah. it. Uh, so it's either it's either a flat out no or having the freedom to be like, I don't have to take this. I could take this if they're willing to pay this. I will put up with the thing that I don't want to put up with right, from it. Right. And like, yeah, that is it. I mean, just the autonomy of that and just the lack. I think the lack of desperation of that is so nice. It's like, okay, I know I'm not desperate for it, so I can make these other jobs or I can make this other stuff work. And even to a point like some of the jobs I shoot now. I love, but they are so boring, but I love the clients and it's consistent work and I'm happy to have it. And I'm happy to supply people with things that, you know, I may not love, but they love and that's okay with me. Like, again, I'm not too, I'm not too cool not to do that. I think, and that's okay with me. So fast forward 2020 right now, quarantine life, right? Um, you still have projects coming. You still have weddings booked. You still have things, you know, on the way. And so 
maybe you could tell me about one of them and also, or if this is the one you want to talk about, um, I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about the book that you have coming. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I, I just got off of shooting a bunch of jobs, which was great. So I shot for a couple weeks straight. So I'm, you know, we're in quarantine, but like I'm kind of editing in, in my own little quarantine, which is what I would normally be doing is this editing hole that I'm in, especially we just came off of the, what I heard was the satisfaction fashion week ever or the, yeah, nobody was just there. And so I shot a couple lookbooks and usually what happens is, um, a couple of people go to market and then, you know, people buy what they want to buy. And then we usually do the, the lookbooks right after that. And then send the lookbooks to all the stores for what they've bought. So I shot some of that. Uh, so I'm still kind of drowning in that editing right now. I know probably by uh, second week of April, I'll lose my mind a little bit. But right <laughs> now I'm still kind of working, which is great. And I definitely had a bunch of jobs to push. So a bit later and I had a, I only have uh, three weddings this year. So I did, I have, was supposed to have one next week. Um, that one got pushed to October, uh, which is fine. Actually, that's a really good friend of mine. So I was kind of bummed. Really excited to see mm. her. Yeah. Um, Things are hard right now. I know. And I was bummed for her. Like they, they booked their wedding literally like two years in advance, which is unheard of. And I mm. never would book that far in advance, but I love her. And we shot together a few times. Um, what about the, the floral book though? This is the oh, one I want to hear about. The floral book. Well, that one, I think we were, yeah. So I <clears> shot um, this book called Ikebana Unbound with uh, Studio Mundine, uh, Amanda there, Amanda Lou. And actually, Kayla was a art director on it. So Kayla uh, Rawson, who I've shot a bunch of jobs with. And so Amanda and I met probably four or five years ago. She was doing flowers for this wedding. And she's incredibly talented she's and so successful. Good. Yeah, Amanda and Ivanka, they run Studio Mundine and they, they kind of did the book as well. And so, um, yeah, and so we kind of became friends. I shot that first wedding with them. Again, the same thing. It's like I recognized there was, we were friends immediately. Um, even if we were like work friends, but there was a, a level of that and they were really talented making, especially them in their time. That was interesting too. Amanda and Ivanka were making interesting floral arrangements for the wedding industry in that time. And mm -hmm. so that's also, we kind of all came up together in that way as well. And we've all worked together several times now, but then they got asked by artists and publishing to make an Ikebana book. Um, and then they, Amanda and Ivanka reached out to me to shoot the book and Kayla to art direct it. And so then we got to shoot it. It was like cutest thing ever. We got to just do a shoot a month for like a whole year, which was last year. Um, and yeah, it was like, it was interesting because we kind of got sold on a certain idea and then it changed halfway through, which I think is pretty normal for things like that. Uh, and so it's not, it wasn't changed by the publishing house. Yeah. I think off, it changed by the publishing, okay. publishing house, which I, it makes sense. It's like they had another book that was a little bit similar and it did really well. And so I think they wanted to kind of like cater this one to be more marketable and be more um, commercially viable, which also totes here for that. Um, but yeah, so I think it was weird because we all kind of got sold on this one idea and then it changed, which we just like rolled to the punches and then decided that we were going to do our own book without a publisher, <laughs> and then, okay. you know, whenever we wanted to do things more creative, but it, it was fun. And it was a learning process of that as well. Uh, and that, I think they, it's open for pre-order um, okay. already. And it kind of has become like- Who's the publisher? Artisan. Okay. Uh, and it's a bit of a, like a Ikebana how-to book as well. So they kind of go over how you um, do all the wires or you, how you, you make the different pieces or the, the ideas behind the Ikebana and they've kind of modernized it a bit. Uh, I think they're all, um, from different places, but of, of all of that. So 
yeah, we did that. And we were, uh, Amanda had somehow talked me into doing the book tour with her, which I was impressed by because I was very adamant against it. Uh, but we were going to hit up a couple places together. Um, yeah, so obviously that's kind of on hold right now, which is a bit of a bummer. But I did get the book in the mail the other day. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I need to see it. I know, you do need to see okay. it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's kind of that that book that we had coming out. So people can search for that, find it online? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What was the title of the book? Ikebana Unbound. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, we can leave it at that. Okay. Is there anything else we're not thinking about? I feel like I only asked you about wedding photography, which is I feel like I'm fascinated by because everybody hates <laughs> on it. But Everyone does hate on it, and it's, and it's fair. It's like I hate on it, too. Uh, but I think it's, for me, I it's, it was integral into, like, me kind of, being able to do other work right. uh, and like now again I only shoot a couple a year and all of my work like is commercial and editorial and um, for other artists and and honestly it was an interesting thing for me whenever I started to step back from it because I was nervous about not making as much money or not having as much stability and like first year I stepped back from it and made way more money than I did <laughs> shooting weddings so every time that I've had that nerves I'm just like I'm like okay like it's okay to be nervous about that and I like kind of self-soothe a bit and then but I really want to be shooting this, especially like the, the last couple of years. Like I really wanted to shoot some more fashion stuff and do that. And also I love shooting interiors. It's very calming for me. And I like the variety of things. Like I think that's the thing that I used to be focused on. Like I'll have to shoot one thing and do it really well. And I'm like, well, yeah, some people do that. But like I really like shooting a little bit of everything and it makes me happy and it makes me a happy artist. And so that's kind of what I've done. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Hey folks, it's Ethan from Love Extremist Radio again. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Conversations with Creativity, hosted by Phil America. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please write a review on iTunes and share it with some creative friends. We appreciate your love and support. Peace.